Hey everybody, welcome back. We're the Mensch Warmers. Thanks for joining us. We are your bi-weekly look at the world of Jews and sports. I'm Jamie. I'm here with my co-host Gabe. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? Hey folks! I'm I'm doing really, good. Really digging into the Marin bag today, huh? Yeah, going deep deep into the, the Marin impression well. Um, stamps.com! No, the, well, I'm doing good. Um, very good. It's been a lovely week. The weather's finally cooled down in our beautiful city of Toronto. Um, my son is finally over his hand, foot, and mouth disease. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, all, everything's good. And uh, life seems to be pretty good. It's a, a huge time in Jewish sports. Got a banger of an episode for you people today, especially those who are interested in the beautiful game of golf. We're sort of hitting the crowd with two two straight golf episodes in, the row, in a row, but we'll try and diversify the content of this episode, too. Don't worry. I know we never do it, but we'll also be talking about baseball over the next 45 minutes or so. I, I, I was just thinking that it'd be really funny to, to watch uh, or listen to Mark Marin do a interview with an athlete. Because I can't really think of any that he's done with like like if he, if he had done one with someone, I'm sure it'd be like a culturally important. Person. So, so you um, play baseball, like huh? A, yeah, exactly. You'd be like, so, so what was that like? You do that? What was that like? Doing that when you were yeah. a kid? Yeah. What you have? You have an older brother? Who, who, your brother play baseball? Who are your guy? Who are your guys coming up? Johnny Damon? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You got any <laughs> tapes? Got any of the games on tape? I used to tape the games. I love love tapes. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't listen to WTF uh, religiously anymore, but I do every now and then, and uh, it, it does scratch a certain itch. I, 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 I understand why he's he's so successful. Yeah. Um, anyways, we do have. I, I find when he interviews another Jew. Before we get into this, when he interviews another Jew, it's like a very sure. different podcast than when he interviews like you know. I, I, I'm trying to think like when he interviews Jeffrey yeah. Tambor, for example, like all they're doing is like making half Yiddish jokes and like really kibitzing. But then, you know, yeah. he'll go turn around and interview, like, I don't know. Uh, name, a gen- name, name a Gentile for a dollar. Louis C.K. Yeah, Louis C.K. Yeah, Lu- name a Gentile. That's the next Billy Eichner series. Louis C.K. And it's that's, like. That's a bad example because their they're interview is famously. Uh, right. They have some Bruges. But yeah. uh, find another Gentile. I, I get your point, though. Yeah, it's yeah. it's way less kibitzy. And I tend to prefer the kibitzy ones. You have a bar mitzvah? Yeah. What was that like? Do you remember? Yeah. What did you do? Did you do the bar mitzvah? Ah, lessons. Remember lessons? Right. He can't. Uh, he can't establish the same uh, that same pattern with Steve Buscemi or something like that. Um, <laughs> anyways, I, I should say at the top at the top of the show that we have a great interview coming up. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to join. Uh, but Gabe interviewed uh, Lawrence Applebaum, who is the CEO of Golf Canada. Gabe, how was the interview? Uh, he was great. You know. It's always fun when you like you interview somebody, they're an executive, you don't really know how Jewish they're gonna be. Like sure. he does not tone it down. Maybe he was toning it up for us, but like that's an honor, I think. I think I can be honored knowing that. And like yeah. you know, now him and I are connected on LinkedIn, so I expect to to share some like like, you know, uh Yuntif wishes. Well, it's a great interview, and I think we are all uh really excited about the uh, Canadian Open being at Oakdale next year. I think Absolutely. That's, you know, really, um, we uh, talk a lot about a, that. A get a lot about, yeah. We get a lot about sort of into the sort of the history of Jewish clubs, Jewish clubs hosting the Canadian Open, Oakdale being a Jewish club. For those of you who don't know, the 2023 Canadian Open of golf in the men's side will be held at Oakdale Golf and Country Club, which is in Toronto and is a traditionally Jewish club. Um, it's especially notable sort of, it's been about 60, 50 years before since a club was held. A Jewish cl- club held a uh, Canadian Open. It was in Beaconsfield in Montreal a couple of times. But uh, he was also on hand to promote 
uh, the Canadian Women's Open, which is happening next weekend at the Hunt Club in Ottawa. Um, as far as I oh, can great. tell, they no longer hunt Jews at the Hunt Club. It no longer <laughs> refers to that. But you know uh, what? I don't think there are ever enough Jews in Ottawa to be hunted. <laughs> <laughs> our producer there's Michael like fifty is of them, us, and they're all and they're all cousins. That's right. Our producer Michael has given us a real look right now. But uh, uh, the Hunt Club um, is hosting the event. Uh, we expect to see a couple of Jews in the event. Uh, Elizabeth Sokol uh, should be participating. Should she uh, uh, choose to? We're hoping Letitia Beck friend of the podcast and last week's guest will qualify and uh, sort of Jewish golf living legend Morgan Pressel will almost certainly be on the mic for the golf channel for the sure. first three days of the tournament. So it's a, it's an exciting well, Jewish speaking event. Of, speaking of Canadian opens, uh, we should mention that it is currently the Canadian open of tennis uh, taking place in Montreal and Toronto. Uh, I think the, the women are in Toronto this year. They, they alternate. They are with reigning year. champion uh, Camilla Georgie. Uh, yeah, and, and Jewish. So that's what I wanted to mention. That she's she is on to the third round. Um, I think she's the only Jew who's still uh, alive on the women's side. Um, there were a few others to start, but Alina uh, uh, Svitolina you know, is off for the year. Yeah. I think having a baby. She's she's off for the year having a baby with um, her husband's uh, Gail Monfi. What Monfi? Yeah, couldn't remember his first name. But a, yeah, George is on to the third Ukrainian round. Jewish baby. That's very exciting. Sure. And she beat uh, Emma Raducanu, who is the reigning uh, U.S. Open champion in the first round in straight sets. So, uh, you know, she's got a real shot. She's got uh, a tough matchup coming up. Um, probably by the time you've listened to this podcast, she will have played her matchup against Jessica Pegula uh, in the third round. But it would be very cool for Camilla to repeat. And on the men's side, uh, both Denis Shapovalov, the local Jewish favorite, and uh Diego Schwartzman have been eliminated, but American Taylor Fritz, who, you know, is now, uh, I don't know if he's, if he's ranked in the top 10, but if not, he's very close. He's been having a sort of great year that he's put together. He won, you know, Indian Wells over Nadal, uh, earlier this year, and he won, he won the Eastbourne International, um, prior to Wimbledon. So he's onto the third round, you know, definitely Mm -hmm. a up and coming guy and has some Jewish background, uh, we've talked about before. Uh, so and, if you're watching the the Canadian Open, uh, no free ads to, to whoever their sponsor is, but whatever uh, cigarette company is their sponsor these days. So the, the Canadian Open of tennis, that's what we'll call it. Uh, absolutely. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, Taylor Fritz has is, is got a really interesting story. Um, we've talked about it a number of times, sort of exploding relatively late in his tennis career. He's 24, um, which is sort of later than, than a lot of tennis players start to you know, uh, achieve such success. Um, yeah. And Rafael Nadal won his first major at 18, for example, but the late bloomers like Djokovic and Federer have actually had pretty excellent careers. Um, so for a guy who's in his sixth or seventh year on tour, it's pretty exciting to see uh, him do well. And uh, obviously we're cheering for him this week. Yeah. Uh, moving on to baseball. Uh, we recently had the MLB trade deadline and uh, a few trades that we want to mention that, that, that affect, I think, a, a prominent Major League Baseball team, which is that the Yankees have added two Jewish players. Something's and weird. The it's... Yankees have two Jews. What's going on? You know, I, yeah. I would like to talk to get in a room like a Jewish guy and an Italian guy who are both Yankees fans and have them like hash right. it out whether it's more important to have Jews or Italians on the Yankees. I think it's very important to have at least both. Like when Joey Gallo was a Yankee, like the Italian community of New York went nuts for him. Anthony Rizzo as well. Like they, That's true. they are beloved. Um, remember Francisco Cervelli? Well, like I, I'm paraphrasing a, a bit. I, 
I'm paraphrasing a tweet here, but I think canonically, uh, you know, the Yankees are Italian and the Mets are Jewish. That's the yes. deal. So, it's, you know, there are obviously Jewish Yankees fans and Italian Mets fans, but uh, canonically, the Yankees are Italian and the, and the Mets are Jewish. But they did add Scott Efros, uh, pitcher, um, over from, uh, I think he was traded from the Cubs, and uh, Harrison Bader, who is half Jewish and is going to be playing for Team Israel next year. So, uh, two big ads. They're the first Jews on the team, I think, since Ike Davis was there for like a week or something, or maybe 10, 10 days or something like that back in 2016. Um the Yankees really haven't had a prominent, like, you know, everyday player who's Jewish, I think, in a, in a long time. You know, Euclid was there briefly. Yeah, um, I think Euclid really, I think it's going back to, like, the Ken Holtzman, Ron Blomberg uh, days where you had guys who were, you know, really playing a lot for the Yankees. But, I, you know, I've said this before, that it's like the big Jewish markets, the big anything market. Like, why not go get a guy? Who, who who compliments that if you're in a big jewish city like go get you know and you have the choice get a jewish player you know if you're in a city I with a big asian population and you have a and you have a or, or you have a big japanese population you have a japanese player like it's it's huge for your market you know i think bader is also a great example because not only is he jewish he's from new york he grew up right. less than 10 miles from yankee stadium you know just sort of at the yeah, westchester new york city border it only took one call for you to uh, an aunt to figure out a common connection with him. You know like, exactly. No, it, it was to a, a cousin. Kid and we up had to figure out. We still hadn't figured out what camp he went to. So if anyone went to camp with Harrison Bader, please reach out to us. Um, but yeah, he's he's both local and Jewish, so it makes total sense for the Yankees. The Mets have had Jewish players, or it feels like have had Jewish players, and a lot of different times in a lot of different places. Um, looking sort of at the list of Jewish Yankees, so obviously Kevin Euclid is probably the most recent one. Um, most famously, uh, Ron Blomberg is a really, really big one. Yep. Um, you know, very famous Jewish Yankee. Uh, there's debate over whether or not Ralph Branca had Jewish heritage, but he was a famous Yankee. Uh, and Bob Melvin and Ken Holtzman are sort of the other notable Jewish Yankees. Bob Melvin, obviously, still in the league managing the Padres. Um, and Ken Holtzman, sort of one of the greatest uh, Yankees of all time, one of the most famous Yankees of all time. I don't know about that, uh, given, the, <laughs> given the long list of Yankees. But oh no! I, but I mean, Holtzman. How? What did he throw? Three, four no hitters. Like he's a, a famous guy, and obviously he was a Cub for a lot longer than he was anything else. Um, but he had a couple yeah. of good years on the Yankees, um, and and is a pretty famous Jewish player. That's true. There's yeah, a lot sure. of famous I mean, Yankees. There's a lot of famous Yankees. I think most of Holtzman's stuff was with the was when he was younger with the A's. But anyways, yeah. that's uh, that's pretty good uh, in ter- in terms of uh, you know Jewish debuts. I should mention that uh, um, Miami Marlins pitcher Jake Fishman was briefly called up to the majors. Do, uh, do you think they drafted really him because his a, name was was Fishman? I so he was drafted by the Jays. Actually, they traded them over. Um, I can't that's remember what depressing deal that was. That, that must have been the the. Simber? No, he was a Rule Five pick, actually. But yeah, Fishman on the on the on the Marlins, very funny. Um, pitched three <laughs> innings, uh, pitched three and a three and a third, gave up a run to the Jays uh, when they played a few weeks ago, and uh, I believe was sent back down. So um, yeah, that's it for him. But I'm sure he'll be back up. He's a guy who you know should have some career. Sorry, he didn't pitch against the Jays. He pitched against the Mets uh, when he came up. But you know, welcome to the big leagues for him. And yeah, any any other uh... a full day in the majors, which is exciting. He did play for Team Israel twenty twenty in in Tokyo. I think we'd expect him expect to see him um, 
at least likely in uh, in he was on the 2017 World Baseball Classic. Classic has a good relationship with Israel, good relationship with former coach Jerry Weinstein and Nate Fish. So I think we'd sort of expect to see him, if not necessarily on the roster at the World Baseball Classic, uh, involved with the team and somehow. Um, yeah, I would think he'd be he'll probably be on the roster, which is you know really shaping out. I mean, I think they've they've got some major league talent that's confirmed. It's you know Bader and Peterson especially. Um, you know, being the backbone of the team. And obviously it's something we're going to cover a lot in the spring. Um, any other baseball news uh, in terms of goings on, famous uh, retired players or anything like that? I, th- I think so. I, it's interesting you bring that in. Um, you know, there's sort of a, a uh, notable jackass, Lenny Dykstra, uh, I, or should we say convicted felon uh, and former Met, Lenny Dykstra, seemed to sort of decide to go scorched earth on all of his... Uh, uh, former Mets fans um, who uh, was sort of a tweet about Donald Trump. We don't like to be particularly political on the show, even though I think we all sort of agree that like generally Donald Trump is bad for society. Um, But Lenny Dykstra, who, by the way, is extremely online. I mean, like he has tweeted tens of thousands of times. Real maggot shed. Every single day and absolutely loves MAGA just constantly, like all the time, considerably, uh, uh, you know, consistently tweeting all of his thoughts, often about what whether or not somebody has sort of a more Jewish name than you would expect, you know, is is he spent a lot of time tweeting about. Uh, you know, John Shapiro's or Josh Shapiro's penis and what he thinks it's going to be, by the way, you know, in the last hour, for example, as we're recording this, he's tweeting that John Stewart's real name is Leibowitz. Always important for him to remember that about Chuck Schumer um, and that he looks Jewish, uh, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. He's on a real, he's on a very weird, like anti-Semitic kick right now of like calling out the Jewishness of certain Jews. Like, I think it started because the, the judge who signed the Trump warrant, the warrant allowing FBI agents to raid Mar-a-Lago, um, yeah. was Jewish. And it was like, a, well, he's not a real Jew. Like, I know real Jews at Chabad, and this guy's not a real Jew. And I think implying the same about um, John Stewart or other Jews who have uh, gentilified their name one way or the other. But yep. it's a very, like, it, it's all very, like, you have to you have to like go several layers into the MAGA world deep to like even understand where what the hell he's talking about. But it's like there clearly are people who really really do because like you'll see this like nonsense tweet that's like just seems like oh like this you know nut crook uh, ex baseball player is on one again and it's got like ten thousand likes or something like that. Exactly. And it's just like and and again like in the MAGA world like these are these are these are big you know big hitters, but it's just like. I barely understand what's going on. I would like a lot of his, you know, going through his feed now, it's a bunch of, you know, Photoshopped pictures of people who were, you know, who are Jewish to make them look more Jewish, as well as extremely like, uh, uh, I would say like bad memes uh, about like what he thinks liberals are like. Like he's not, I would say he's extremely online and also like very strange straight up anti-Semitism. Lenny Dykstra, I think we can all, you know, sort of say particularly former athlete, not a good guy, just a general jackass. And uh, he's not really doing like, uh, uh, he's not 
not doing his own legacy a favor with any of this. You you know, well, I don't know if his legacy could use much, could take much tarnishing. It's it, it's interesting when someone has a, a Wikipedia subheading of incidents and other convictions that's like twelve <laughs> paragraphs long, and is right. like, you know, it's not just like. I, there's a certain level of like uh, criminality that's like you know if you commit one sort of crime over and over it's like all right well that's you know you're a thief you keep thieving uh, you keep burgling people and stuff like that but it's like he's been like convicted of sexual assault and bankruptcy fraud and indecent exposure and like drugs and other things and it's just like it's a lot of crimes like it's a lot of crimes for a guy who's like ostensibly rich and had a successful career as a baseball player and uh, you know in baseball uh, outside of that as well but. Uh, yeah, real weird one. So feel free to, to you know, Mets fans and and Phillies fans or who, whoever like, feel free to to unfollow nails unless you want the constant just the stream of conscious ramblings of a of a prematurely aged fifty nine year old man who seems yeah. to have lost his mind. It's it's depressing. It's it's it absolutely rots your brain to look to sort of sort through it all and imagine like having it all going through your head at one time. It yeah. just sounds horrible. I guess, I guess, you know, you, if you were an 86 Met, like, you got to assume, like, if you were Met in that era of the 80s, like, you know, at some point, that amount of cocaine use has is, is got to, you know, have some d- deleterious effects on your brain matter, right? Like, Absolutely. Like, can't be but good for you. You really hope the, like, as you said, the deleterious effects on your brain, like, turn you into sort of like a, a charming goofball, like a Keith Hernandez. And, like, certainly he's had his history of... of yeah misogyny and and problematic statements but i would say he's still miles ahead of uh i lenny dykstra in terms of like palatability and spending time with them um or you know similarly you, know, you could not- turn into you could sort of turn it turn into like a huggable weirdo like john gibbons um or, you know it or- really is interesting how much like that that team like there are some guys who did not did not do well afterwards i mean Gary Carter passed away. Obviously, I I don't know what yep. his health was like prior to that. Daryl Strawberry obviously, uh, you know, had real drug issues, and Dwight Gooden, same thing. Uh, like Dwight Gooden are, as well. These are guys who, yeah, really suffered from like, I don't know what they did then. Anyways, that's a bit of a tangent. Don't need to talk about the drug problems. The '86 <laughs> Mets. You know what? If well you want to still, there's definitely the a, a Jeff Perlman book about it. Yeah, if there is, it, we could talk to Jeff about it at any time. I'd I'd love to hear his thoughts, Jeff. If you're listening about uh, uh, what Lenny Dykstra is really like, but if you are yeah. interested in hearing more about the uh, '86 Mets, you could listen to any Mets game on TV at any time and just <laughs> hang out with uh, uh, Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling because yeah. all they Keith do is sit and talk about, about the it. days. Um, you know, it, it's great. Um, you know, that's of that team. You've got your John Gibbons and your Ron Darlings up here. And then Lenny Kravitz, Lenny Kravitz, Lenny uh, uh, Dykstra at the bottom. Um, but yeah. before, before enough we about the, this uh, asshole. <laughs> before we throw to the interview, I just wanted to mention it. Uh, it was Sue Bird's last uh, regular season game recently. Uh, um, in, in last regular season home game. As of this recording, I think there's last two games game, left. Um, the playoffs will right. start on this coming Monday. Um, yeah, so the playoffs are, are about a week away uh, from when we're taping this. So we wish the Storm well, and we wish Sue well. Obviously, uh, you know they, they have a bit of an uphill climb, but it, but they they're you know if not they're not the favorites, but they're definitely in contention. Yeah, I think they're they're roughly I think the fourth or fifth. Um, the the leading team is Chicago, and Seattle actually killed Chicago last night. And like what many are thinking could be a finals matchup, a finals preview. Right. 
Um, though, you know, as we talked to Larry Stone a couple of weeks ago, the uh, uh, Storm are all in signing Tina Charles for the stretch run, hoping to really right. take advantage of this last, you know, Bird's last season and send her off properly. But color this podcast, you can put us sort of firmly in the camp and the supporters of the Sue Bird statue in Seattle uh, area. I don't think Seattle has Absolutely. any... Pardon? I don't think Seattle has any statues yet. Maybe Ken Griffey Jr. will be coming soon. Ichiro as well. Um, but when those happen, we expect to see Sue Bird outside Climate, what is now the Amazon Climate Pledge Arena. The old Key Arena. It'll always be Key Arena to me. Uh, that's... You know, and that's a real fun fact, fun fact about Sue Bird's last year. She did not miss a free throw 14 for 14, which I think is a very um, impressive, like old player uh, thing to do. Yeah. Of just like, yeah, like I'm a, I'm a few steps slower and like, you know, I, I can't, I don't have the stamina that I once did, but like, yeah, I can stand out of line and hit shots all day. Like there, there are always but- been people in, in every gym in, in the country who are, you know, their knees are gone, they're in their 60s, but they can stand at that line and make shots. So Absolutely. Sue is, it's Sue is well on, to, on her way to a great uh, career as a retired basketball player who can still make free throws. As sort of the sharpshooter she is, it's amazing how little she's drived yeah. this year. But that's what happens, I guess, when you are the oldest player in the league. It's, it's You don't really want to bang yeah. down low with someone who's got 100 pounds on you. Uh, yeah, exactly. But that said, that's what Brianna Stewart is for. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, let's, shall we go on to our interview with, uh, uh, Lawrence Applebaum, CEO of Golf Canada. So we're here with Golf Canada CEO, Lawrence Applebaum. Lawrence, thanks for coming. Uh, pleasure, Gabe. It's good to see you. It's good to hear you. How's everything going on your side? Pretty good. Uh, you know, my son is sick, but other than that, life's great. Golfing a bit. You know, I, I, we talk about this a lot on the show. Jamie and I both have very young kids, so getting out to golf is somewhat of a challenge. But when we do it, it's great. Um, and we're thrilled to have you on the show. Lots of, lots of Jewish stuff to talk about. And I'm, wow. you're, this is probably your first interview this week, I would assume, that isn't about Brooke Henderson. True, true. And I, I have to add uh, my uh, young children to the discussion. I have, a, I have. I have big kids and I have a young kid, so I have uh, 19 and 17. Wow! And then I also have two, a two, almost two-year-old. So there you go. Is the two-year-old the best golfer out of the three of them? Do you know what he? he the, the the wonderful thing that he does that warms my heart is when he sees a logo, a Golf Canada logo. He says Golf Canada. <laughs> which is amazing. Wow. What that, what that evolved into is now when he sees a Canadian flag, he also says Golf Canada. So and we're not correcting him. For we're, now, getting, we're, not correcting. we're getting in a little bit of uh, a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but is that your goal for every Canadian under the age of five? Yes. To see yes that's, that's actually it. That's, Can it. that's actually the goal. A Canadian flag and see, you know, Golf, golf Canada. Exactly. Sure. So we're going to talk about goals in a little bit, but first I want to get a little bit into your your. Jewish background. You are obviously Jewish. You agreed to be on this show. I don't mean that visually or, or conversationally. I just mean you're, you agreed to be on this show. You grew up. Tell, tell us about your upbringing, assuming it was Jewish. <laughs> I'm still getting over the visually being Jewish um, comment. Uh, yes, I, I grew up in, uh, on, the, on the North York Scarborough border of Toronto. Um, I went to uh, Associated Hebrew School. Wow, uh, which which I, I think still exists today. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not so yeah, sure. Yeah, I think I don't. I think multiple campuses may not be the case. 
Maybe um, not. But you I went to Associated. Was, wow. Yes, and uh, and I had a you know wonderful bar mitzvah at the Pride of Israel, and uh, you know went to a amazing uh, mostly Jewish camp called Camp Northland B'nai B'rith. Oh yeah. Played in the Maccabia, played in the Maccabia youth games twice. You did. I I, 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 that is not a normal thing on my bio that I talk about, but there you go. So there's there are the Jewish highlights. And I know, I know, you know, we'll get also we can get to this. You're you were a tennis guy for the first X years of your career. Was were you at the games for tennis or for golf? Uh, I was actually at neither. I was at the games for uh, softball for men's fast pitch softball and. I've been really lucky. I've been sort of involved in sports my whole life um, as a player, uh, uh, more as a, a trainer and a coach, and then mm-hmm. in the last uh, few decades as on the administration or the, the, the business side. And, and uh, it's been awesome. I mean, it's been awesome to see, um, in particular, the moment we're having with golf and mm-hmm. I guess people in general getting back to playing the sports they love, whatever that may be. So, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a nice time. I mean, golf's obviously having quite a pretty serious renaissance, um, both you know, spectator-wise and playing-wise. It's at least for me in the last two years, it's become a lot harder to get a tee time, which I assume you are thrilled about. But me, it's a slight annoyance. Um, yeah. No, I. I you know, it, it, it's really neat. It, if you if you if you sort of look back a little bit, um, 2017 and 2018, golf was starting to make some momentum and growth and it was it was gradual uh in 19 it started to be real um we had an amazing rbc canadian open with rory mcelroy as a champion we the the sport was in great shape and then when COVID happened obviously some surprises in terms of the lack of options that people had and and obviously the golf as a sport or an activity lending itself pretty pretty well to being very safe for people to do it exploded um I apologize for about the tea times. You <laughs> know, we're, we're we're we we want people to be uh, it, it, the sport to be accessible, and and I, I would give a big shout out to all the operators, owners of golf clubs across the country and around the world who who are um, trying to do their best to make to continue to make golf a choice for people's uh, recreational activities. So, well, that's something I sort of want to get to and and ask about your mandate a little bit. Um, this comes up and it's relevant to us, you know, as Jewish people, as we know, next year, the 2022, uh, 2023, I should say, Canadian Open on the men's side is being held at Oakdale, a traditionally Jewish club. Um, I want to know, I have a couple of questions about that decision. First of all, did it matter to you that it was a Jewish club? Was it aware, were there sort of discussions over its ethnic group? The Jewish country club is sort of a, a big Jewish cultural thing, but not necessarily a cultural thing in the wider word, word of golf. Um, you know, does that, as we try and make the game more inclusive, is that a thing that, that occurs to you guys? Well, I think it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, is when it comes to our site strategy for the RBC Canadian Open, and, and we also uh, host an LPGA Tour event called the CP Women's Open, Absolutely. which which I should give a shout out to our friends in Ottawa. I know you have a huge listener base uh, from the Ottawa region as well. We is, do, thank you. Um, is, is, uh, we'll be at the Ottawa Hunt uh, and Country Club uh, third week of, of August to host uh, Brooke Henderson and the amazing LPGA stars. And uh, this... Hopefully, also hopefully also including Letitia Beck, who absolutely. I know has been a, a, a very uh, 
renowned guest on your show. Friend of the show. A friend of the show. Friend of the show. So I'll tell you this, that um, we have a long-term site strategy. We're looking at amazing world-class venues um, for both the events. Uh, when it comes to the RBC Canadian Open, we're we're largely based in the GTA HA, the, the, the mm-hmm. Toronto area and Hamilton area. And we've been on a hunt for uh, a few more additions to that rota. And um, Oakdale was a property that came to us. Uh, the management and board actually approached Golf Canada and said, you know, it's we think it's probably worth, um, we'd love to invite you out and take a look. And me personally, uh, I had been to Oakdale many times, mostly occasionally to play, but on the tennis side, uh, mm-hmm. on, 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 to play on the golf side, but also I knew it on the tennis side. And I was amazed. We were amazed. This 27-hole gem, um, they were in the middle of a, a, club, a clubhouse renovation that has uh, been exquisite, a great palette for everything we need to do inside the ropes, and then also to be able to build the exceptional experience with our partners at RBC and PJ Tour for music, for food, for entertainment, for engagement, for fun. And so along with uh, the Oakdale Country Club, we will be presenting a golf course that no one has ever played, which is a composite course of the amazing 27 holes. We have built an 18-hole composite course, which um, is a mixture of the three nines. Um, and it will be an you know amazing experience for the PJ Tour players to play. We've we've played it already mm-hmm. in a couple of uh, uh, qualifying and testing formats, but we're going to continue to to work with the club and the PJ Tour to make it an exceptional test. So, uh, a fantastic location. And to be quite honest, the ethnicity or the heritage or the makeup uh, was not at the top of the of the selection list or, 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 or really factored into the equation for where we were going. I, I just ask because it's, I mean, that's a fabulous explanation. It's just interesting, you know, to me and to other Jews, there really aren't, you know, there's probably more clubs that Jews, that Jews, that the PGA Tour plays that were restricted to Jews, you know, in the last uh, 20, 30 years. You think about the 1990 PGA Championship is a great example. That's, I think, the last major to be held at a course that was currently restricted. And that's l- only 30 years ago. Um, there are clubs in Toronto that were restricted in my lifetime um, and and still probably de facto some are. Um, and I know, obviously, it's your job to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, but I'm curious to know, as as is there an opportunity to use this as a way to make show golf as being a little more culturally open than it's previously thought to be? Yeah, you know, just to 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 comment on on that statement is that's not my experience in the recent history. I I, I think certainly um, historically there have been some situations that um, had some restrictions and 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 things that from from the the history of sport and 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 clubs that is not something um, that that we we could support mm-hmm. in any way. But what I'm really happy about seeing is the the recent history and the go forward from so many of the places that we are engaged with and partner with. The openness, the inclusivity, the the change that you speak of is really palpable. And um, you know, I will tell you that it's a, it's it's definitely a, a source of pride for Oakdale and places like we just had it at St George's in Islington, where they welcome the world mm-hmm. to their club. So the the broadcast reach is about a billion person 
um, audience that the PGA Tour event will get broadcast to around the world. Um, that's not to say there's a billion person audience uh, watching it, tuning in, but that's the capacity and that's the amazing part of the PGA Tour. They're on every major platform. They're around the world. And I, I just was, I was very lucky to recently be at, um, uh, we're at the British Open and I could not go five minutes without someone in the international golf community stopping me and going, oh, by the way, I just wanted to tell you the RBC Canadian Open was unbelievable, was so special, amazing champion, uh, and they just thought, thought the golf course looked immaculate on TV. And that's exactly what we're hoping for from Oakdale, is that mm-hmm. people will find out about this gem in the heart of, of Toronto that, no, that, that a lot of people don't know about, Gabe. So that's something I noticed during the, the Canadian Open broadcast. I was there for a couple of days, and then Sunday I watched from home. Um, something I noticed about the broadcast is that, you know, even Nance and Faldo and, and all of those, the, the big American guys were talking about, one, how conveniently located the golf course was, and two, how much the players were all surprised by how much they liked it. Um, yeah. It was, it's, it's, it was it's great really... to hear. It's yeah. I felt the same way. I mean, what's what's kind of neat about St. George's is if you're looking out um, east from the clubhouse, you, you got the Toronto skyline in the back, yeah. and so when you're looking down one or you're looking uh, from the T of 18 back towards the T, you can see the CN Tower and you you see the the skyline. It's amazing. Um, uh, being centrally located for the players, Toronto's a world class city, as 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 you you well know it, and and so they're happy to take in all the amazing parts of Toronto, and they'll also have that uh, next year in Oakdale. They're, 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 they're kind of maybe a little bit surprised at, at how vibrant Toronto is. And Jim Nance in particular has always been a stalwart of our broadcast. He's a big Canadian golf history fan, mm-hmm. always spends a lot of time, and, and he's you know one of those people who's as, as nice and kind and good as they seem on TV. Like, he's the, he's the real deal. So that's... um. It's always a thrill to have him and him and and Ian Baker Finch is another favorite of ours, yep. um, as well as as Nick Faldo in the booth. So they were they were great. We've talked about Canadian Open. We've talked about Oakdale. Uh, this Oakdale's actually just so you know not the first Jewish club to host the Canadian Open. Um, I think there's been one at Beaconsfield back in the day, um, and uh, at uh, I think it's called Pine Grove in Montreal has hosted a few. Um, and that's a traditionally Jewish club, and, and they've hosted a few men's and women's opens. Um, actually, Letitia is going there next week for a B'nai B'rith event. Um, so that's where their yearly really? tournament is. Yeah, so it was really interesting to chat with her about that. Um, and she's also played Oakdale a number of times, um, just from being in the community. That's One amazing. Thing- you, you, you know, my, my outlook is, and, and we've talked with, the, the membership has been awesome at Oakdale, but we've also just talked about it being an awesome golf club and an awesome mm-hmm. golf course rather than being a traditionally Jewish golf course. And I yeah. think maybe that's kind of the development that we have about being a, a really inclusive organization in sport is, is making that, that, that jump. What I think is really of merit to, to share with you is that what Oakdale does in the community is nothing short of incredible. Um, the scholarship program Mm-hmm. The engagement with the local community in support of initiatives, projects, uh, investment, um, I, I think is really, really worth mentioning. And, and there will be a legacy that the club leaves with regards to First Tee. And so First yep. Tee is a program um, where we use golf as a medium for life skills 
And we did it in Hamilton. We did it in St. George's is, is that we end up leaving a legacy of a first tea hub center. And um, already Oakdale is participating in this first tea program for Oakdale and that, uh, and that whole um, area surrounding the golf club. So they're definitely a club that significantly contributes to the community life. That's, I mean, it's interesting you say that. Traditionally, if you research a little bit, and we have done for this podcast because we talk about it a lot, sort of the history of Jewish country clubs, um, almost all of them have some sort of community impact as part of their founding charter. Usually it was sponsored by the JNF. You know, when they were started, a lot of them in the 30s and 40s, they were had a, a close relationship with the Jewish National Fund or whatever country they had. Um, you know, we this is probably not foreign to you, but, you know, tzedakah is obviously a very common Jewish value. And it seems that, like Oakdale, a lot of the clubs are, are actually following through on that. So it's really good to hear that, both from you and sort of out in the public, because it doesn't seem like a thing that you'd hear about a lot during the Open. Um, so I, I appreciate you saying that. Uh I don't need to take up that much more of your time. You've been really generous so far, but I have a few last questions for you. Um, you come from tennis. That was your background before. And there are obviously, there's two sort of main Jewish tennis superstars on the women's tour, which came from before. Uh, Alina Svitolina, who's currently away. Um, she's having a baby. And Camilla Georgi, who's our local reigning champion. Um, are there any other... You're blowing my mind, Gabe. You're really? blowing... These are, these, are, these are things that I did not know. You didn't know they so were Jewish. I, so the interesting thing is Svetlina is a very special player. Um, for, as you mentioned, I did not know that. And Camilla Georgi is the shocker of, uh, of, this, of this time together because mm. Camilla was a, a very... You know, was, as a young Italian player, was, you know, hit the ball differently, moved differently... Her father is, is a well-known uh, character, um, as well as he's <laughs> a pretty, pretty heavy presence, fit, fit, you know, physically as well. Um, but I, I, I would say I did not know that. And, yep. and you know, m- maybe I have to, have to drag this conversation back to golf because I, I tried to do a little research for you. Yeah, please. It's one of my personal goals to have Max Homa playing next year at Oakdale. Absolutely. And uh, li- luckily, we, ha- we 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 know some common friends, so we're we're in, we're in contact with his team because I think Max Homa raising the trophy. Um, you know, Max has become one of the young young stars of of the PGA Tour. Uh, I still would love to see Rory three peat, but yep. if I can't have Rory or a Canadian, um, Max or, is number three. Or, uh, <laughs> then, then Max is Max is definitely in the conversation. We we've, we've actually talked to Max on this show. Um, he, this was a while ago at the 2020, uh, waste management open before COVID shut it, shut everything down. Um, and he cares like it's, he knows that being a Jewish athlete is a unique thing. The first thing he said to us was, you know, there's not very many of us, um, about being a Jewish pro athlete. So actually, uh, he's to Max would be great. Jonathan Kay was at the tournament this year. Um, he's sort of a, a, a veteran of the Jewish golf scene, at least. Um, and you know, Ben Silverman, don't forget our Canadian Ben. So I actually grew up with Ben. I think he's a really good guy. And seriously, like I met him when I was like 12 years old. Um, we, it used to be the Mandarin country club. Um, but it is now uh, upper Unionville public. Um, our families both played there. Um, so he's, it's, it's like wild to see him up in Adam and I hope he is. And again, he's great. Um, uh, my dad knows him a lot better than I do, and my dad knows his dad as well. And there's a couple of Jews that we'll hopefully see at the, the Women's Open. Elizabeth Sokol, I think she's a rookie. 
um, on the LPGA Tour who has had some decent results and, and should be qualifying. Letitia as well, if she can make it. Um, and I think Morgan Pressel is likely to be in the booth, um, at least for the Golf Channel first couple of days of the broadcast. Well, I, listen, I, I have to do better homework and better <laughs> reference and checks because uh, you're telling me a few things that I, I sh- should know, and now I do. So thank you very much. It's, this is, I think this is the beauty of your program, right? It's, it's entertaining and educating. That's the goal. There's... I think as a Jewish person, you'd, you'd appreciate this. There's no, no Jewish people can talk forever about who's Jewish. Uh, and they always can, uh, which actually leads me to my next question. Growing up in Toronto, following tennis, golf, baseball, especially, were there any Jewish athletes that you spent your whole life following? Mm. Interesting question. Um, you know, I, I was a big Blue Jays fan, so it always was a dinner conversation with my dad about Sean Green. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. that was a big one. Um, and a lot of people didn't know that Dave Steeb was Jewish. Dave Steeb is Jewish? No, I'm no, just okay. joking. He's not, but I just, I, just thought, I just thought I'd throw that in there. You tried to get one back on me from after Camilla Georgie. <laughs> no, it's great. It, 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 it's it's a great it's it's a great to see that. And I would also tell you that what what's really neat in the Toronto scene, and is probably someone that you should maybe consider ho- having on your show, uh, is the tournament the the co tournament director. And really, his his role is uh, he's the senior vice president of events at Tennis Canada. Is a guy by the name of Gavin Ziv. That sounds Jewish. Gavin. And Gavin, yeah, Gavin happens to be Jewish. He played. He he he's been. He's a a a board member or board of director of the WTA. Mm-hmm. He's been running. He's been running the major events for Tennis Canada, and he just competed um, uh, at the Maccabi Senior Games in Israel, which yeah. is really in, in in softball. So so there's a lot of people doing good things uh, inside the ropes and outside the ropes. That means he won a silver medal. I don't know if you spoke to him. They win a silver. They won a silver. Hadn't. Yeah. Do you know Um, who won the gold? uh, I assume America. Yeah. Um, Yeah, But yeah, there's been a few. We had a a number of uh, uh, we had a number of Maccabi athletes on the show in the last few weeks, um, specifically of hockey, Um, and they both hockey teams won gold, men's and women's. I think all of them. That's amazing. Won gold. gold. But that's great to know. We absolutely should have uh, uh, Gavin on. So. Like we've, I've taken up enough of your day. It's Friday. It's a long weekend. I just wanted to ask now, where are you going next week? And are you uh, golfing? Nec- yeah. So next week, uh, I am taking some holiday time with the family. We'll be in the great province of New Brunswick, Ooh. where my where my in laws are, and uh, it's a wonderful spot, little known uh, secret spot uh, near a place called St Andrews by the Sea. Yeah, and, I've never uh, heard of that golf look, course before. Look, look, <laughs> look, look for it. It's actually called it's the, the Algonquin Golf Club, yes. which is a, a gem. I know it. I, I've never played, but I know it for sure. Um, oh, great. And uh, uh, it, then before we go, what's your favorite course in Canada and in the world? If there's, so, if there's mm. one place you should say, public or private, you know, private maybe less so unless... You know, you have some sort of way to get one lucky listener, but we can talk about that another time. Um, if, if there was a, a public course, your favorite place in the country, what would it be? Ooh, you know, m- me picking favorite golf courses in Canada is, is not a very popular thing. That's a good point. You get more people upset than you do. Um, I would tell you that I'll, I'll, I'll take the global angle that you kind of led mm-hmm. me to. There's a place in Scotland called Western Gales. 
And um, most people know the British Open rotation courses, the Royal Troons, the Turnberries, the St. Andrews. Um, but there's one that's a qualifying course called Western Gales um, uh, off, off the uh, west coast near Glasgow that's very, very special. So Western Gales, when you have a chance to, to, to do, a little, uh, do a little Google imaging, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, abso- I, absolutely. And, and this is, well, if I ever find myself there, I'll send you pictures. Um, and, and we could discuss, you know, green courses and and stuff like that. And it's okay. If you want to just blink Cabot and Morse code, I understand that as well. Yeah. Good, good. Well, Cabot's (laughs) a pretty great, pretty great spot. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Have a wonderful long weekend. Um, and, and, uh, most people, I don't know if it was recording. Lawrence has offered to play golf with me. I'm putting that on the air now. Um, so (laughs) when it happens, I will let everyone know how it goes. Great. Thanks for your time, Gabe. Well, thanks again to Larry Applebaum uh, for joining us, or for joining Gabe, I should say. Gabe, thanks for uh, cleaning up in my in my stead. I'm us. We're us. We're all us. We're, we're us. Yeah. We're the you know we're the general us. I I do we I have another baby coming in about six weeks, so uh, what you, you all can look forward to some more. It's <laughs> first you're hearing about it. <laughs> Um, so you guys might have another uh, Gabe-centric pod coming up in a little bit. And I should say, uh, you know, obviously incredibly pleased to have Larry Applebaum on the podcast. And I think it makes us one step closer to having Larry Tannenbaum on the podcast. <laughs> Just, you know, in terms of name similarity, we've always tried to manifest having having Larry Tannenbaum on, uh, owner of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and you know Toronto, Toronto sports royalty. So uh, this is just one step closer. If we get a, a different Tannenbaum on, then we're half. You know, we're we're three quarter, yeah, three quarters we, of the way there. Maybe we could get sort of Larry Applebaum and um, my distant uncle David Tannenbaum together on one show, sure. and then sort of uh, convince them. But no, Lawrence, he was a great guest. Um, great to chat with him, sort of about the history of Jewish golf in Toronto. And in Canada, about golf in general, some Jewish guys on tour. And, uh, you know, his his background going to Associated. One other, you know, this is sort of a, a Jewish thing. I think he might be a Camp Walden guy. We didn't finish, get so deep into that, but that could have been something you could oh, talk okay. about with him in the future, James. Yeah, of course. Anyways, um, until next time, thanks everybody for joining us. As always, uh, we're put out by the Canadian Jewish News. Uh, our producer is Michael Freeman. You can always find our uh, articles, our podcast show pages on the Canadian Jewish News' website, the cjn.ca. Uh, and the best way to get in touch with us and follow us for all the goings on in Jewish sports is to follow our Twitter page at Menchwarmers. Uh, until next time, we'll see you later.